0: FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM
2: Riverside.
0: And
2: 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Okay, welcome back to the interview part of the show. And joining us is the one and only St. Suki Delacroix. Thank you for being here, Suki.
3: Well, thank you for asking me.
2: Well, so um, here we go. Uh, Now, uh, first of all... um, uh, maybe let's talk a little bit about you, uh, like where where did you come from and, and uh, b- before we get into your book and stuff, um, uh, some of your history.
3: Yeah. Okay, well I was born in England in the city of Bath, like a bathroom, and um, <laughs> it's very near, it's right in the West Country, very near Stonehenge. Um, my parents were... Uh, well, my mother was not, but uh, my parents were very, very poor. I grew up in um, um, just after the war. I was born in 1951, and so I grew up in the aftermath of World War Two. So I was playing in the bomb sites, basically, and uh, and also we had ration books and and it wasn't until. A Quite recently that I' started to look back at my childhood and, I, and I, i'm surprised well I actually wrote a book about it called The Memoir of a Groucho Marxist." but when I was writing that book, I looked back to my childhood and I was surprised by how much the war affected me because I was brought up by a generation of people that were damaged, not only physically but mentally and uh, because of World War II. So, but it was a good time. It was a good time to grow up. You know, I, I'm glad I came from um, a working class family that had very little money because uh, it made me appreciate um, everything around me. Yeah,
2: do you think? Do you think that with like the current pandemic and you, the way a lot of people are are handling or not handling the the, the things, like just wearing a mask or doing something simple. Um, how do you think do you think it's just because we've become very spoiled as compared to like like when you were growing up and even myself and uh, you know when things were rationed and and the things people went through for the war and and afterwards uh, was such such more than it is now
3: yeah i i I don't know what it is, but I do know that I was thirty nine years old when I moved to this country. And I grew up in um, a city that was built by the Romans originally. And I moved to Chicago at the age of 39. And it was a culture shock. And I discovered quite quickly that about one-third of Americans are idiots. I mean, completely uneducated people. The rest of them are wonderful. But there's, there's a hardcore one-third it seems to be uneducated, and that surprised me because I I grew up in the sixties, always thinking that the the American uh, education system was so much better than the British one. But when I got here and I started uh, meeting people, I, I I was really quite surprised. And um, I I told. Uh, My husband, years ago, I said, one-third of this country, the adults in this country, are fascists. And all they need to take over is to have a charismatic leader. And I'm pleased to say I was right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Proven proven all over, you know.
3: Yeah. It's
2: it's pretty scary.
3: it is very scary. The only difference is Hitler, for all his awfulness, was not, he, he did have a plan, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which was a, it was a terrible plan, but he had one, and this current thing uh, does not have a plan. He's, like, it's like the country is ruled by a four-year-old toddler.
2: Right yeah right, yeah. no ambition no 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 direction, um craziness is no
3: it's not. no, it's nothing, and I think you know a lot of people do need
2: to be told
3: what to do, and when you had the president saying, don't wear a mask, well, in the middle of a pandemic, then people are gonna die, yeah. you know, yeah. so. It just it, it's a terrible it's a terrible shame, but I'll tell you the worst thing about it. For me, um, I see these people, these religious people, saying don't wear masks, and then you see them dying of uh, the pants from the COVID nineteen, and I don't have any empathy for them. I don't care, because I think you asked for this, and. I resent the fact that they've taken away my empathy and kindness, right. and that that's why I'm kind of dealing with at the moment with this pandemic. Yeah, it just seems such a shame
0: that We've, this is happening. We were just discussing that before uh, actually. You came on about how I have left Twitter because it's just turned into this awful place that where everybody is attacking each other. It's it's a bizarre world.
3: It is. I mean, it, it's strange. I mean, I sit in my office and I look out the window and I see mountains. But I also know out there there's chaos, absolute chaos. And it it just seems like it seems a shame to me. I'm not a religious person at all. I'm not a spiritual person. But um, I, I do. I wish this wasn't happening.
2: Right. Right, and I you know, agree totally that... Um,
3: We've gone we to a very serious subject here. Yeah, we? <laughs> no,
2: no, but that's what we do here. We we have good conversations with people that write and <laughs> and, and that. and um, right. It kind of leads in because you've been writing these books and I know that this one is just coming out or did it come out already? Um, this, t- 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 tell me about it. Tell me about it. Yeah, number three. Uh, yeah, what happened was I
3: came to... I was working for the gay press in England. I was writing for um, Capital Gay in London and Gay Times. I'm all of them, really. I'm freelance. But when I moved to Chicago, I started working for uh, the, the papers there. And uh, I, I was like a reporter and a news photographer. And I was associate editor of the Windy City Times and managing editor of Nightspot. But when I got, when I first got over there... I I heard these two old leather queens in a bar, and they were because I was thirty nine. They were about the age I am now, but they were wearing. They were arguing, drunk and arguing, and, <laughs> and it was very entertaining. But they were arguing about the exact address of some old leather bar in the past, and I thought, what an odd thing to. Uh, you know, argue about it. And I started listening to other people's conversations, which is what writers do, what they should do. And I started here, they were talking about the mafia and the bars. And, you know, where I come from, we don't have the mafia. In Bath, there's, in Bath, we don't have the mafia. We have a Chrysanthemum society and a fuchsia society <laughs> who hate each other. That's what we have over there, you know. And uh, people argue about tea plates. We don't have the Mafia, right? So I'm in a town where I'm hearing these stories, and I went to the publisher of uh, Windy City Times, and I said, look, I'm hearing these stories about the old days, and is anybody writing this down? And she said, no. And I said, these stories are going to be lost. So I went uh, after six years, 1,000 words a week. I went to the bars. I interviewed every, anybody I could find. I heard stories that were amazing. I I interviewed a 96-year-old man who died the week after I talked to him. We went to a speakeasy uh, to see a drag show. He was underage in Prohibition. So I was getting all these people and it ended up where I thought at some point, somebody's got to write a book about the history of lesbian and gay Chicago. I waited and waited, and in the end I thought, oh, oh God, I'm going to have to do this myself. And I wrote a book called Chicago Whispers, uh, the history of LGBT um, uh, people in Chicago before Stonewall. I honestly cannot remember the title. It was in 2012. (laughs) But the book was very successful, you know, because um, the first gay group in America was in Chicago in 1924. And I found out lots of information about this group that nobody else had ever known about. So anyway, I did this book. At the same time, Owen Keenan was in Chicago writing. He also is obsessed with the history of Lesbian and Gay Chicago. So we were both working on books. We both published books. We kind of knew each other. But it wasn't until I moved to Palm Springs. He phoned me. And I don't even know how it started, but we came up with the idea. Oh, I know what, whatever it was. He said, why don't we go out into the gay community and ask everybody 15 questions and see what happens. So I said, well, okay. So we came up with 15 questions and I said, give me the weekend. And I went to a friend of mine here who's uh, in the rock music business. And I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. So I said, where was the strangest place you ever had sex? And he said, on Edgar Allan Poe's grave. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I've got, we've got to do this book. <laughs> we have to do this book because I want to read it. The books I write are books that I want to read that nobody else is willing to write. That's basically what my writing career is. So I said, well, let's go ahead. Let's see what happens. You know, we can always just dump this idea. So we went out there and we asked everybody 15 questions. Some people answered the questions on their own. Some people I sat with them and he sat with people or we interviewed people over the phone or Skype or whatever. And, of course, I was just thinking it would be America. Once she put something on Facebook, we started getting all this stuff from Australia and Britain and Wales of all places. Who knew there was a lesbian in Wales, you know? I didn't know there was anybody living in Wales. I thought it was all sheep. So they're all all sending out these questions. So we got them all in. And I I think we were stunned. I, I honestly think we were shocked at what happened because we got these amazing stories. And the book came out and we wondered if it would sell. But I didn't really care because I I just knew it was a good idea. And we just knew that it's so important to, maybe we're stupid, maybe we're deluding ourselves, you know, but both of us think that these stories have to be written down. All of our stories have to be written down. And the reason is, when he and I were writing our books, when I wrote Chicago Whisper, it starts from 1673 and stops at 1969 on the night of Stonewall. And when you research gay history and you go back to the 20s, you can find out what the, some of the famous female impersonators were doing. But you'll never find out what the guy in the shop was doing or the guy in the store. What, how did the plumber, gay plumbers live back then? Were there gay plumbers? You know, you find out about Oscar Wilde and people like that, but just regular people, people I call ordinary people with extraordinary lives. You can't find out anything. Nobody documented that. So we're doing this, so maybe we're being whimsical, but I don't care. In a 100 years, when people like I come along and want to research history, they're going to know what regular people did because we're doing the tell-me-about-it books. You know, this is real people's lives. When was the first time you went to a gay bar? You know, were you bullied at school? What happened when you came out to your parents? And so we started asking these questions and we thought, tell me about it. And then there was such a response to it, especially from people who didn't get in there because they weren't quick enough. That we started on. Tell me about it two, mm-hmm. and then Tell me about it two came out six months later, and we've just done Tell me about it three. Wow! And we're actually going to do Tell me about it four. We're doing another one. So if you want to answer the questions, you let me know later. <laughs> we haven't actually got the we, we haven't actually got the questions yet. yet oh. But. Uh, <laughs>
2: Oh it, this is I, I think it's fascinating but because i think you you're, you're true I, I think that um so much happens in in our regular lives and it doesn't get um written about or talked about unless you're a star or somebody that's doing something special in the world that's right and so i think it's fascinating cuz uh, cuz now we look back, and we're we're old enough to realize how much the world has changed in our lifetime.
3: That's right. Yes, it has. For gay people, the change is phenomenal. You know, I I remember when um, they decided they would have gays allow gays into the military in this country. I was shocked. I never thought I'd see that ever and then gay marriage, you know. Who would have thought that? I don't know how old you are. I'm 69 in a couple of months. This was never even on my radar, you know. This was, we grew, all grew up in a different time. But I do, I was married. Um, I have children. I have two children. I have four grandchildren, and I have two great-grandchildren. Wow, I know it's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. I had I I had a, a people people say, did you were you hiding your sexuality? No, I wasn't hiding it. I was um, I was just horny, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's... If
3: I could out if, I, if if I could outrun it and trip it up, I jumped on it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I had a I had a beautiful wife, and I tell people I was under the impression that we were having lesbian sex. I had no idea there were any children involved in it. I thought we were lesbians.
2: That's what I tell people. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know how to follow that one up. Jeez. Um, uh, so <laughs> it never <laughs> catch me off guard. So in these stories... <laughs> <laughs> that you're right. How do you select which ones you're going to put in because if you're getting so many of them
3: right um, um, when... I, we, I, we don't put in, yeah we don't put in anything that's um, some people not many but some people have a tendency to use the opportunity for writing their uh, porno pornog- pornographic memories. and um, we don't I don't like anything too sexual like that. Uh, that's not what the book is about. we all we all have sex, we all do different things. We all know what we do, and I don't think that the details of that are necessary. So if it's too um, if it's too sexual, I usually fight against it and then we discuss it to see what goes in. Owen doesn't like but we do do things like um, when did you first realize you were gay? And there, there's a brilliant one I can't say because you told me I can't swear. But um, somebody, somebody found. Let me translate it into proper, nice English. Somebody found out they were gay when they were engaged in an act with their brother. Oh boy! Now I, I know all children experiment. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know that I did, but. Um, uh, we didn't put that in because it, it, it was just too much, and I think it would have distracted the reader away from all the other wonderful stories we had in there. Mm. So, um, but I did feel bad about leaving it out because it was this man's memory. You know, we always think, Owen and I always think, that people's memories are absolutely sacred. And um, we don't edit either. I mean, we edit. You know, spelling mistakes and all the rest of it, but we don't cut anything out. If there's any, if there's a little something that we consider to be dubious, then we take out the whole quote. Right. But um, <clears throat> yeah. But we've got some, uh, and in, in Tell Me About It Three, we have um, a Pakistani uh, man who is in exile in America from is uh, I think. I don't know if he's Muslim, I'm not sure, but um, he answered all the questions. We also have an Italian prince, and I thought it was a joke, I'll be honest with you, until I checked up on him. He's from one of the oldest Italian uh, aristocratic families. He was thrown out of the family um, because of his homosexuality, and he now lives in Bulgaria of all places with his lover. So that was quite, that was, that was quite interesting. We had somebody from Trinidad with some interesting stories and um, some from Britain. Uh, My ex lover wanted to do the, uh, answer the questions. I was pissed. I thought, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Am I going to be mentioned, you know? (laughs) Um, But he did actually say I was good in bed. So I put that one in.
2: (laughs) Well, that's important.
3: So yeah, so yeah, it's been interesting. You know, lesbians from all over the place. I went to the Cathedral City Transgender Health and Wellness Center and interviewed some of the transgender people there, and that was really an eye opener for me. Um, It's never. I mean, I was born male. I'm still male. I, I never, for, even before one second, crossed my mind that I wanted to be female. And um, so it, it was like a, it was a learning experience because these, uh, the women I talk to are just so articulate. And I never realized the, the problems that uh, trans people have. Um, I should have. But I didn't until I talked to these people. So we're, everybody's learning from this, yeah. from these books.
2: Well, it, I think, it, It's yeah. fascinating. Well, I think that's important because sometimes we get lost in our own um, battles or our own uh, challenges, you know, like, you know, in the gay world. And, uh, and um, it's different than uh, transgender and what, what they have to go through. Um, so it's good. It's a good thing. Um yeah, it is, yeah, what was the most did you have any stories in here that really shocked you? I mean, you've been around yeah so.
3: i, I yeah, no, yeah 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 I've been knocking around a long time, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i i I was surprised by wherever anybody is in the world. When they first go to a gay bar, they drive around the block three times, before, and they're all nervous. They turn out their collar to go into the bar. Uh, I, I, was, I was a bit surprised about that. Um, but, of course, I, I was in a gay bar when I was 15, and it wasn't because I was gay. And I have, I have not answered these questions myself. <clears throat> and um, I said, I'm waiting for Tommy about at 25. Then I'll do mine. <laughs> but um, now my parents, when I was a teenager, my parents used to go to bingo on a Saturday night in Bath. And they would come out, and my father could only manage to get to the nearest bar because he liked to drink. And that was a gay bar. So any time on a Saturday night, if I wanted to find them, I would go to the gay bar, and there they were. And nobody checked IDs back then. I, I, I don't think there is any IDs in England. There wasn't. Certainly, wasn't in the sixties. Nobody, nobody stopped me going in the bar anyway. <laughs> but no, and and I was also surprised by how many people were bullied. Mm. And that was. But there's some heartbreaking stories in there. So one of the one was. Um, what happened when, you told, when your parents found out you were gay and one, one man said they, they got a detective to follow me? And I thought, oh, my God, but that's, what kind of parents did you have? There's people that get thrown out of the house and people that don't see their parents for decades, you know? A lesbian from Mississippi. She hasn't seen her parents for a long time. So yeah, it's. I, I just find the whole thing absolutely. Well, it was like gossip, isn't it? Really. Yeah. You know, it's everybody else's life. There, there was a couple of "Tell Me About It" live events here in Palm Springs, and I, and we went along, and people came, and I asked them. I asked them to tell. I would ask questions, and they would talk and answer the questions. And this, when you have people that have never nobody's ever asked them about their lives they're not boy george you know they're none of those people these are people that nobody's ever come along and said i want to know about your life i am interested in your life you know Mm. i did interview it wasn't for these books but there was a woman an african-american woman in chicago and i was interviewing her for for the column I was writing, and she was talking about she was she was at Woodstock and she was in the gay liberation front. She was very active, and at the end I always ask people, "Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't?" And she said, "No." She said, "But I was a black panther. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that, you, you forgot that. <laughs> you <know?
0: laughs>
3: Black lesbian, she's dead now, this activist, she walks through the streets of Chicago with a gong over her shoulder with other black panthers. And I thought, people, a lot of people say, oh, but my life is so boring. And I say, because that's, you lived it, but it's not boring to everybody else. Mm. Well, you know, walking. everybody, everybody... <laughs>
2: Mm? Walking around with a, a rifle and being a Black Panther is not boring. <laughs> no, but she
3: thought that was just a part of her life. That she didn't even bother to mention it, so I pushed her. You know, I said, like, "Oh, oh, yeah, I did." You know, so it was. Yeah, it, it's proving to be really quite interesting and not quite what we thought. You know, we we didn't really have an idea of the effect this would have, but. Um, people are loving telling their stories. They, they enjoy being asked. I got a, One of my neighbors was a fighter pilot He's in his 90s. One of my other neighbors is a British man. He was a wig maker in Hollywood, and he made Elizabeth Taylor's wigs for Cleopatra. He also made the ape suits for 2001. I have another neighbor that he just mentioned after half an hour that he dated one of the village people. So <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. You know, people, and I met, some, I, there's an old guy here who grew up in, uh, I can't remember the name of the place, in, in the Texas Panhandle. And 76, he's 70, no, he's nearly 80. I mean, what was that like being gay in the Texas Panhandle All those, all those years ago?
2: It's fascinating. No, oh, it's it's great. Um, what, how has has each book um, had an effect on you? Have you have you guys come up kind of out of a book, kind of changed? Do you know what I mean to sort of affect your life? Um,
3: only. In as much as I feel like I'm doing something useful, I, I do feel that this is, and El- Owen as well feels the same thing, that this is the reason we're here, that this is, it's a, it's a mission to document the lives of LGBTQ people. And the thing we do when we go looking for these things, we, we say anybody, any any LGBTQ Anywhere in the world, any age, any thing can answer these questions. We don't discriminate against anybody, you know. So I would like to get more young people, and uh, but that's something we're going to work on. You know, I was contacted by the Spanish, the, uh, the Gay Center in Madrid. And they've just started documenting their history um, in Spain, in, in Spain, and Is that noise. Oh. So they just started docu- oh, they, just start, they just started documenting their history in Spain, so they wanted to know about the project we were doing, which was quite interesting. so and they did one of them. He was actually from Uruguay, but he lives in Spain. He went through the Franco. He gay all the way through the Franco regime. But his English was... He, he wanted to answer the questions himself, but it was very broken English. And I wish I could have interviewed him myself face-to-face, but that wasn't going to happen. So we got what we got. Mm. But, um, no, it, it, it's, I, I just find the whole thing... D- did it change me? Yeah, I, I, it's... It makes me, it it drives me on because I'm I'm 69 years old in a couple of months. and You know, writers don't retire. Writers, um, what happens with writers is at some point somebody breaks their door down because there's a bad smell and they find them dead somewhere in a garret. That's what happens to writers, hovering over the computer, over the typewriter or with a pen in their hand. You know? and I really want to go out like right that because I I have always been of the opinion that when you stop working, you die. Right.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I haven't got everybody's
3: story yet. You haven't. You haven't said. You haven't answered these questions. I am <laughs> going to send you
2: the next set of questions. <laughs> well, what is it in the, in the questions? What is it you look for in particular? Like, what is it that um, you're asking about? Is there is there some direction you have?
3: Absolutely none.
2: <laughs> oh. okay.
3: None at all. Like, let me give you just a couple of questions from the third volume. What are the best and worst parts of going out to the bars and clubs. Oh, this this what this, this was an interesting question. Tell me about. No, you know what? I'm going to ask you a question. Tell me about the one that got away.
2: Oh, they never get away. <laughs> 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 are you kidding? <laughs> I want them. They're not leaving. They're they're stuck. <laughs> We've I've had a couple. I had a Cuban
3: guy who said, "What do you mean get away? I just worked the snake."
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, there. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, no, not me. I. Just... But that that was actually, that was actually a really really popular question
3: because I think people often do have one that got away. Uh, and just watching people's faces light up, you know, it, it's, it's just worth it just for that.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, the, but the, the one that got away is really kind of, a, a, I think, an imagination in a sense. Uh, because it's one that you might have had feelings for that it never worked out. So we kind of imagine right. what it would have been. And probably if you did get, get... That's right. Yeah, But probably if you did get together with him uh you know, they'd not be remembered so so fondly.
3: Right. Yeah. But that's what makes them magic that's what makes them magical. Because they're memories, you know. And and yeah, they probably would have gone completely wrong. You don't know. I yeah. mean there was uh, I interviewed somebody from um, Los Angeles, an African American guy, and he met somebody and it was an Australian and they were, they had a relationship and they were in love, but the Australian had to go back to America. And he said, come with me. But of course he was scared to go, you know? So he was young and he was scared to move to Australia. Yeah. But he wonders even now, you know, he wonders even now if that would have worked and that, but that's why the memories are important. I think a lot of people, most people have got one that got away that maybe could have worked out. Yeah. I know when I met my husband, I met my husband, and I didn't know whether, we've been together 32 years, and I didn't know it was going to be like that. And the week after I met him, the most gorgeous man <laughs> came up to me and asked, said, I heard that you've left your boyfriend and he wanted to date me, and he was stunning. And I said, no, i just met somebody else. I don't know. Would something have happened? I don't know. I'll tell you, that's been the most popular question, though, that that we've asked.
2: Well, they all ran away from me, so I'm...
3: (laughs) (laughs) They'd have to to run pretty fast to get away from me. (laughs) Um, The other one, one question was, when did you first hear about AIDS? I mean, that brings, you know... Yeah. There's a lot of tearjerkers tear in here, you know, and a lot of happiness and a lot of sadness. It's, not, it's like life, you know, it's what life is all about. Mm, right. And we have, we have some cultural things like um, what movies or TV shows best capture your funny as well as your serious side. You know, it's some, um, we don't all live in a ghetto, you know. So when did you first realize you were different is one of the questions. You know, how did your parents react when you came out to them? So, uh, yeah, I, I was shocked by the bullies, though. I, w- I wasn't bullied. I was bullied once, and let's just say he never did it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. And he now and he now wears glasses. Oh,
2: wow! There you go. Uh huh. Uh-huh.
3: I wrote the story in, the, in my book, the memoir of a graduate Marxist. I'm plugging myself here. Oh,
2: just get it all out. <laughs> At you all, know, but I w- I'm just wondering: Do you do you notice changes in, in the answers to the questions uh, as related to um, when the person had the experience? So, like someone that was you know 20 years old in in the 1960s, um, do they all kind of answer the same, and is it different than someone that maybe was that age in the 1980s?
3: well the, the the influences are different. I mean the older you can feel it the older gays, my age six sixty five seventy yeah. you can tell their influence by Judy Garland and you know that that stuff, and they're always a little bit more guarded you know they didn't when they, when they talk about their teenagers they weren't dancing in discos. But younger people that hit the 70s, you know, they, they went through that promiscuous uh, disco phase. And so there is a difference there. And the ones that came out in the 80s, you know, they always say, oh, I wish I lived in the 70s, you know, because they read about Bette Midler singing in the bathhouse and, <laughs> and all that stuff, you know, and, you know, village people and all that, which I personally... I would rather stick pins in my eyeballs <laughs> than listen to disco. Yeah. Or Judy Garland, for that matter. <laughs> but, um, you know, but there, there were these cultural things that people just absorbed as they went through their gay life, you know. So I wish I had more. I did interview a young transgender person who must have been about 20. and <laughs> And... I, I, I obviously recorded the interview. I had to look it all up. They were talking about video games and and talk. And they mentioned dabs, something about smoking marijuana and dabs. And I thought, oh my goodness! I had to go Google everything they said because <laughs> I had no idea what they were. So I had no idea what they were talking about. None. So. So that that was kind of different. I would like more young younger people. I don't know where to go. I live in palm Springs you know if you are if you're, you're, <laughs> you're sixty five in Palm Springs you're a chicken of the desert
2: <laughs> you're a youngin'. Uh, well yeah you're just gonna have to uh search out you have to, you're gonna have to get online and get some of those those apps. Well, well, yeah <laughs> I'm going to have to
3: get on grinder.
2: Yeah, <laughs> start start meeting the young ones.
3: Oh goodness me! I'm listening to teenagers. I I I have kids. I have grandchildren. I have great grandchildren. I only managed to have one gay one though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my it... my grandson came out recently, and um, but he lives in England. I mean, in England, everybody's gay, aren't they?
2: <laughs> Except for Boris well, they act, Johnson. They act
3: it. Oh, no, please. Oh, please. What, what yeah. are they doing? What's wrong with that country?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it seems to be catching on everywhere. Canada's the sane one. They've got the good looker, you know.
3: Oh, yeah. It's gonna be so good to look at from the back. <laughs> That's what I want. Next want from... I don't, want to, I don't want to be superficial, but I want a president that's good to look after the back.
2: <laughs> good luck. That's not going to happen. Uh, not in our <laughs> lifetime. God, no. No,
3: no, it's no. It's not no. looking no, good. No, it's not. It's not looking but good. But I'd, s- I'd I'd, I'd for something that was an orange blob.
2: You know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> at this point now, anything would be good. So,
3: you know. Yes, anything, yes, I, I'd vote for a sandwich.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so you've got a um I was gonna say you've also got a website, don't you? Like a blog. And Do uh, I? Or do you or
3: do you news to me? Oh No, I don't I used to do I used to do a blog for the Chicago Tribune. Believe it or not, I did a blog for (laughs) that. Well, they let me get away with it for a while let's put it that way yeah. but no i don't I don't do, I know I don't do a blog no I'm very active on Facebook because i um I'm in touch i I'd like to keep in touch with people all over the world you know otherwise I'm gonna lose touch with people
2: mm. yeah yeah no i know I,
3: I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't. I don't have time to do a blog
2: oh because I found you on the chicago dot com under bitter old queen oh
3: that Bitter Old Queen, yes. That was the one... That That's a, that's the Chicago Tribune. Yeah. They... Yeah, they... Um, well, I'm, I'm not telling you why I left. Well, it was to do with money. That's why I left. Yeah. Well, There wasn't any. They oh, yeah. cut the money off.
2: Well, you're still up. So, the Bitter Old Queen... Oh, you Googled
3: queen. me? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> the bitter, bitter Old, old Queen money, is yet.
2: still up. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well... There you go. There you don't go. believe my Wikipedia my Wikipedia page. That's the story in itself. I got this phone call got this phone call or an email or something from I never had a Wikipedia page and I don't care.
2: Right. I don't
3: care about that kind of thing. But a fourteen year old boy contacted me and he said they were studying my book, Chicago Whispers the gay history book in class and I'm thinking Fourteen? What? What's well, going what, on? What, you know, what, what kind of school hey, you know, is that? Yeah, what kind of school are you going to? Like yeah. Homo School or something? <laughs> oh. The school, the yeah, Saint Faggot, you know, the Saint Faggot School. Yeah. So anyway, so he contacted me. and said, "I notice you don't have a Wikipedia page. Could I do one for you as a project?" And I thought, oh, God. And I didn't want to, you know, dissuade somebody, you know, who was so enthusiastic. I said, I'm going to have to talk to your teacher. You're a 14-year-old, you know. Yeah. And um, so I did talk to him, and he wrote my Wikipedia page, which is crap. You've got to look at it. It's hilarious. And uh, someone, <laughs> someone said, well, you can go in and change it. You can put everything right. And I thought, no, I don't think I will. You know, it was that young that young man's project. And if everybody gets the wrong idea about me, that's just fine. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Let them get the wrong idea. Wow. So, yeah, that's the Wikipedia page.
2: <laughs> Jeez, you know, I, I saw it, but I didn't look at it because, you know, it's Wikipedia. I just, you know. you know. You know.
3: It's a very weird version of my of my life I'm not saying it's entirely inaccurate it's just a very strange version of my life that, that's it oh, you gotta... my daughter my daughter found me up she said I've just seen your Wikipedia page yeah. oh, God. I thought they were talking about somebody else I said I think they are you know?
2: <laughs> well he must have got his information from somewhere he was probably you know
3: well, no, he inter- he interviewed me, and he did a version of what I said. <laughs> but nope. it's, it was it was it's fine. You know, I don't care. I know I can change it, but I don't see the point. Yeah, I just I love the idea of everybody getting the wrong idea about me for some reason. I just find it amusing. Well,
2: well, yeah, <laughs> you never know what you'll get out of it. You never know. Well, I'm a very
3: actually very conventional person. But if you saw me with the tattoos and the piercings and everything and the Viking hairdo, you know, I don't look very conventional, but I am. I'm rather prudish, actually.
2: Oh, drink tea. But That's my
3: English, English <laughs> upbringing. Yeah. yeah TA yeah. 430.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Crumpets. <laughs> yeah. Wow, well, that's the only way to live. Wow. Well, that's mm. fascinating. I just, I love the idea of the books and, and, and everything. Um, so, the best way to, for people, if they want to get a hold of you, is probably through Facebook then?
3: Yeah, they can find me on Facebook. And if they they want to just know about the Tell Me About It project, I can. they can just find me on Facebook, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I Don't don't send me any weird pictures. Don't, I don't want dick pics. <laughs> thank you very much.
2: No, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, you can send them to me. Okay. <laughs> I'm, we'll take all of those. Yeah, I'll take all of
3: those. Well, people... When people ask me, because uh, I got nearly five thousand Facebook friends, if, when people ask me for a dick pic, I send them a picture of Dick Van Dyke.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's perfect.
3: Yeah, the, you know, if I can, br- if I could, if I can bring a little disappointment into somebody's life, I will.
2: Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> yeah, there's a, not like there's enough going going around now, but um, did you, what? Right. So, how do you feel about the young generation um, and the way? gay life is changing like with the apps and and the way people are behaving you know a lot of clubs and things are are shutting down and people are becoming more of online meetings and all that stuff do you yeah do do you like the way it's going or
3: the book the bookstores are disappearing and the newspapers are disappearing uh um i'm in two minds obviously i I probably think the same as everybody else my age, you know. But, um, you know, I don't think it's a good way to meet somebody online, but, you know, I don't care. What, I, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm standing back and I'm just accepting it for the what, what it is. I can't do anything about it. Um, I guess that we wanted to... I think what happened was we spent decades trying to show straight people, that we were just the same as them, and now we prove that we are. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing,
2: you know. Right, right. Kind of get mixed in with the crowd and and not as... Well, yeah,
3: because I think I think, yeah, it was, I'm not talking about, you know, the oppression and that, but we did seem to be more creative in, in the arts. I think, of course, a lot of the great artists came from the AIDS epidemic, when people were expressing their feelings in art and in writing and in movies and everything. And um, I, don't, I don't see a lot of that. I don't see a lot of young people being that creative and original. Maybe, but then, on the other hand, I don't want to go back to the time when people were just arrested for just being themselves, you know? Mm,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah it, and uh, it's
3: nothing. It's, it's really nothing to do with me, the, new, the next generation. Yeah. It's their business. You know, all, all I want to do is document the lives of anybody, any LGBTQ that wants to tell their story, because I think the stories are really important.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now, now this one is 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 published through Rattling Good Yarns Press. Rattling so, Good Yarns Press. Yeah. yeah. So we can put their website up on our website, so people can link to that yeah. if they want to find the book and all that. And yeah. uh, Wow, it's it's been it's it's always a pleasure talking uh, to someone that's uh, lived a life. And. Um,
3: well, every, everybody's lived a life. Yeah. Everybody's lived a life.
2: Yeah. You know, I'm,
3: I'm a little bit exotic because I came from England, you know, and that's about it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because everyone's gay in England,
3: right? So but everybody, I, I, you know, I am actually the queen of England. I just went for the <laughs> other old bitch to drop dead and I'll be back. I'll be going back. I'll You're be walking back. up that aisle. I know my throne is up there. I will walk up that aisle in my heels. And I'll bitch-slap anybody that gets in my way, because that's my throne.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: And you the first that. thing I'm going to do as queen, I'm going to get make sure everybody has fabulous drapes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: and get, get that and Boris Johnson,
3: Johnson cleaned needs up. To be, yeah. yeah, Boris Johnson needs to be drowned. That's yeah. what needs
2: to <laughs> happen. <laughs> oh, good, good luck with that one, yeah, you know. What a
3: mess. My friends in England are like, what's going on? I don't
1: know. Well, Well, I
2: think I think think with the U.S. and Britain, I think a lot of it is because people like I'm 58, and just I think we thought a lot of these issues were resolved, and that we've moved on, you know, with abortion and 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 gay rights and even the racism thing. And it seems like it it seems like we're going through it all over again.
3: Well, it's always been there. It's just now they've got this thing at the top, they've managed to put their idiot on the top of this heap. And so it validates that what they've always believed. I've always, this, this country has always been racist. In England, I, I don't know, it's not quite so bad. In England, we hate the French.
2: You <laughs> yeah, <know? laughs> yeah that's, it's the same And things. I have
3: to admit, I'm not keen on them myself. <laughs> but, yeah, But it's not... <laughs> But I don't. I didn't grow up in this. My my parents were very left wing, and if I had said anything racist, they would have slapped me. You know.
2: Yeah.
3: I didn't grow up with this atmosphere. I come over here, and it's like um. I have never. I thought all this had ended. I honestly thought the racism, had ended in this country. That's how ignorant I was, and yeah. it was only through African Americans working on the newspaper that I learned. <laughs> that all this stuff was going on, you know. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't understand it. I, I just don't get it. I'm baffled yeah. by the whole situation.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, we get yeah Understand totally. Well, it's been fascinating. Um, again, our guest has been Saint Suki Delacroix and his book is Tell Me About It Three. It's the LGBTQ Mm -hmm. Secrets, Confessions, and Life Stories. Thank you for being on the show.
3: Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much.
0: To find out more about our show, (laughs) guests, or to listen to past
3: shows from our archive, please go to (laughs) www.houseofmysteryradio.com. has been completed the end by george he's got it it is the end i'll see you if you to me i'll be back
0: this has been a production
1: of something wave media
0: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time